0: After he had uh, missed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the four watch of the night, Jesus went up to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, it is you, Peter replies. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Mm-hmm. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out to Reach out his hands and caught him. You of little faith, he said. why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, uh, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worship him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, because you're a God of uh, miracles. And uh, thank you, God, because you show us Every single day, we, we shouldn't be afraid because mm-hmm. you're always with us. Yes. And your love overcomes anything that will come to our way. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, for that. And thank you because you're amazing. And, yes. and we praise you, God. And as Pastor Day brings the message, uh, I pray that you, we can receive what you have for us this morning mm-hmm. and open our hearts and our lives yes. and our mind. Thank you, God, for everything. Yes. And thank you, God, for all your amazing love. Amen.
1: As Maggie was reading that, it just struck me how much uh, fear is a big image or a big kind of emotion in this passage and the preceding passage that we looked at last week. Fear and being frightened. And all through scripture, actually, people are afraid. They're afraid of what's to come. They're afraid of transition. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of The enemies out there. And yet, the refrain in scripture is what? Do not be afraid, for I will be with you. And that's the same thing that Jesus says to the disciples don't be afraid. I will go with you, I will save you, I am your Savior. And that's the message to us that in our times of insecurity, in our times of fear, when we're in transition, when we're facing the unknown, the mysterious depths. When we're experiencing the storms of our life, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, how many of you guys know Newton's first law of motion? Sometimes referred to as the law of inertia. <laughs>
0: the oh yeah. What can you tell us?
1: What it is? An um, uh, object in motion
0: stays in motion. Object at rest stays at rest unless they experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Very good, yay. And so I believe uh, Newton's first law does not just have application of in, ph- in physics, um, but there's applications for life in relationships and psychology, um, because I think I am guided by the law of inertia. Right? And let me explain that. When I was young, when I was a young child, I was energetic. I was a hyperactive boy I ran all over the place uh, I would yell and scream at the top of my lungs And people And I was constantly running around I wonder if that reminds you of anyone <laughs> Jumping on couches and beds Jumping on my dad's belly uh, And my father would literally have to grab me by the shoulders And say, S-, and then bear hug me To stop my motion right? <laughs> my inertia Because my inertia was towards movement and hyperactivity, and so he is outside force stopping me, and he'd hold me, and I would wriggle and wriggle like a, a fish on the hook, right, on the, on the <laughs> dock, <dunk. laughs> until I would just stop, right, uh, that was me when I was young, but now that I'm older, it's the opposite, right, my inertia is not towards being in motion, but my emotion, my inertia is towards being an object at rest, Right? On my couch. Watching Netflix. At my throne on the computer. It's very hard to move me. Right? If I'm preoccupied with my thing, my thing on the computer or whatever I'm watching or reading, if you try to move me, beware. Right? You might get a growl and a flash of teeth.
0: Right?
1: Isaiah in the morning time. My morning times are precious to me because that's when I'm the most alert. And so I get up early and I'm working or I'm, you know, doing tasks. And Isaiah will wake up early as well and he'll come up to me and be like, Dad, I'm hungry. And he's got his hyperactivity, his opposite inertia. And he's like, make me breakfast, make me breakfast. And I'm just like, I hate being interrupted. I, I'm at rest. I don't want to move. Right? Or when Janice says, Dave, take the trash out. There's something in me that I immediately goes, No, I don't want to move. Can you just wait till later before asking me that? Or even Cammie, Appa, I pooed in my diaper. <laughs> and I'm like, No, later, later. Right? Just, I'll change it later. Everything. I'll take the trash out later. I'll make you food later. Inertia. I don't want to move. Uh. (laughs) This is why I empathize with the disciples in our passage today. And this is why I feel for them and get grumpy with them. Because if you remember last week, um, last week's passage, John the Baptist had just been executed. Jesus and his disciples went to a solitary place. Perhaps Jesus wanted to mourn. Um, But they were off in a retreat, a solitary place. But the scriptures say that the crowds, all these crowds, because Jesus is a rock star right now, because he's been healing people left and right, and the people love him, and they want to experience healing. They find out where Jesus is at his retreat, and they chase him, and they follow him. And I can imagine the disciples seeing the people at a distance going, oh, no, here they come right and we remember from last week that jesus had compassion on the people and he had a healing service right there he started healing people left and right he stopped his retreat to do ministry to love on people and uh uh when it started to get late if you remember the disciples said oh my gosh it's getting late send these crowds home And we know that there was at least 5,000 men, it said, right? And then on top of that, the children and the women. So more than 10,000, most likely. Thousands of people. And the disciples are like, they're getting hungry. It's getting late. Send them out to town so they can um, get some food, go to the stores, get a place to rest and eat. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. And this is just... This, like, for an inertia guy like me, I'm like, don't, right? Right? People are coming over. 10,000 people are coming over, and we have to feed them? No, Jesus! Right? So that was last week. But when we hit this week, immediately, right? In the Common English Bible 22, right then. But in other translations, it's probably immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. Made. (laughs) So it's a strong word. He commanded, he compelled, he made. He didn't ask them. He said, Now it's late, you've just fed 10,000 people and you've gathered all uh, the leftovers. And you must be tired. And, you, and the disciples are probably like, yes, it's finally over. We get to go chill, sit on our couch and watch some Netflix. I'm going to so binge, right, House of Cards or whatever it is. <laughs> They're like, yeah. But then Jesus says, get in that boat and roll across that lake. They're like, no. And he doesn't even give them a reason, right? Why are we going to go row across that lake? It's like the weather's bad, right? It's, you know, it's hard work. We just want to rest. We want to sleep. But Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. On top of that, uh, Jesus, while they get into the boat, he goes off to a lonely place, a solitary place to play. Pray.
0: <laughs>
1: play. <laughs> Maybe he prayed and then he played. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of people use this passage and surrounding passages of Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place to talk about boundaries. Right? It's very important for us to rest and go to a solitary place and pray. And I don't want to take away from that at all. So know that (laughs) before I say this. But in context, that's not what the disciples are experiencing, right? What the disciples are experiencing in this moment as there's uh, opportunities to rest and be in solitary peace is Jesus is actually pushing them, right? He's pushing them towards their limits, beyond their limits. And I think there are times, do you, do you guys experience times when you're pushed beyond your limits? Right? There's not enough hours in the day to do what I have to do. There's not enough headache, pain medication to resolve this headache that I have from all the stress that I'm experiencing. We, there are many times where we're pushed to the limits, where we're stressed out, where we can't handle things. And oftentimes, God uses, I think, these times where we're overfed, where we're overwhelmed, for us to break down and finally say, help me. Jesus, I need your help. Lord, rescue me. So this is a whirlwind tour. There's no rest for the weary. Jesus has just forced the disciples to play host and feed the masses. Uh, in an impossible display of food multiplication. And now before there's even time to breathe, even time to say, sigh and say, we did it. Jesus commands them to go to the other side of the lake. Jesus makes them go in a boat to row to the other side. And he goes and rests. Meanwhile, the disciples, so they've gotten into their boat, and they're up Doo-Doo Creek without a paddle.
0: <laughs>
1: well, they have paddles, but they have a headwind, and they're not getting anywhere. right? After rowing all night, right? because Jesus was there at the mountain all night before he went to join the disciples on the lake. So they're rowing all night, apparently. They're stuck in the middle of the lake, having made no progress. right? They're further away from the land. All the work they've put into rowing is for naught. They've gone nowhere. Their their work is empty handed and futile. Have you ever felt this way? Everything for you is uphill, Mm -hmm. upstream. You've been striving and struggling only to find you've made no progress at all, maybe even gone backwards. Sometimes as a pastor of a young church, I feel that way, honestly. I feel like I've bled and I've sweated, and I've preached, and I've led, and I've prayed, and I've loved, and I've poured myself out. And there are times where it's like, yes, I'm called. This is awesome. And there's times where it's like, we've done all of this, and we're empty handed, right? Actually, I feel that way every time we send, someone moves away and we send them off, Mm -hmm. right? We send off Sean and Andrea. Oh, we know they're going to a good place. We love them. But they're such awesome leaders and awesome people to have in this church. Why, God? Why? Right? We send people off. We send people off. We send people off. And the sending is more than the coming. Right? And we're like, ah! And I feel like I'm rowing and making no progress. And it gets exasperating. It gets frustrating. So I have felt this way, struggling and striving, only to find you've made no progress at all. For me, it would put me in a bad mood. So I think the disciples deserve to be angry and frustrated. And then Jesus just comes gliding across the water. (laughs) You think Michael was smooth with his moonwalk? He had nothing on Jesus on those waves. And the disciples are frightened, right? It's a ghost! Someone sees smooth Jesus glowing probably on the water. (laughs) It's a ghost! And they're afraid. And Jesus says, take courage. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Isn't this the refrain in scripture like I mentioned? Take courage. Don't be afraid. I will be with you. This is the frame when God calls his people into something beyond their capacity, beyond their ability to control. Mm. And really, we ask about God, what is our calling? What are you calling me to? What is my calling? All the time. We want to know our calling, right? A lot of us want to know our calling. But if you really knew what calling was, you know what calling is? It's something that's beyond our own capacity to do, to live up to if you really knew that, why ask? Do you really want to be thrown, thrust into something you can't do? Right? He's He calls us into something that's beyond our capacity. That's why he's Lord and we are not. And Jesus and Peter, seeing Jesus on the water... And Peter's like the brown noser, right? The teacher's pet, right? He's the guy that's like, oh, wash all of me, right? I'll do everything. I'll never deny you. And he's like, I want to walk on the water too, Jesus. That's cool. And all the disciples are there goes Peter again, brown noser. And then Jesus says, okay, come, come, come out of the boat. Come to me. And Jesus is inviting us to come out of the boat to him, to where he is, into the impossible, into the mystery, into the dark waters, into the storm, into the unknown, into transition, into change, into a calling. Here's the thing about Jesus inviting us. Number one, just because Jesus is inviting you to come doesn't mean the storms stop, right? Jesus invites Peter out, storm's still going, right? Life is difficult. Life doesn't suddenly get easier just because you're a Christian, right? Because you're Christian, life is sunshiny. Mm-hmm. Life is difficult. It's hard. You need to accept this. In fact, life is probably harder as a Christian because God promises that we will be persecuted For his name's sake. And because we're called into living. Contra what the world says. Is good or powerful. Right? We're going against the grain. So it makes sense that life would actually be harder. Following Jesus is difficult. And the disciples are getting a taste of this. The difference is that Jesus is saying to all of us. Trust me. When the going is tough. Out there. I will be with you. Secondly, when Jesus invites us to come, we need to know that Jesus has power. Just as Jesus had the ability to turn the two loaves and the three fish into the feeding of the masses, he has the power and the authority over the wind and the rain and the elements. He walks on water and is able to help us to walk on water. In Jesus we can move mountains. Do you believe this? In Jesus, we can move mountains. Have faith. Be encouraged. Look to him. As long as we're looking to him and believe, we can walk on water as well. And Peter is like the the model for us, right? He did it for a little bit, (laughs) right? Just like when I go ice skating. Oh, I can ice skate. I can do the twirl. (laughs) right? That's Peter. He's like, I'm walking on water, And he starts sinking, right? Because he sees the storms. He sees, he pays, he stops looking at Jesus and sees what's around him. And he begins to fear and that fear overwhelms him and it affects his decisions and what he's thinking about. And that's where we get into trouble when we start to sink, when we let the fears dictate how we live how we think, what we do. We start to sink. Thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, Jesus saves. When we fail, when we lose sight of him, when we're sinking in our fears and doubts, Jesus immediately reaches out, just as he reached out to Peter, and grabs us and lifts us from death into life. I mean, I think it would be a great lesson for Peter if he just let him drown for a while. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like. one one 1000, two (laughs) (laughs) Two, 1000, three (laughs) 1000. Okay! (laughs) Right? But he, he grabs, he reaches out and grabs Peter and he saves him. Right? Are you drowning? Jesus saves. Some of us in here have literally drowned and Jesus saved us. Amen. Uh, There will be storms. We will be tired in life and empty handed. We will be frustrated at the lack of progress we've made. We will experience rowing backwards. We will not want to feed the hungry because our own cupboards feel so bare. We'll be pushed beyond our boundaries. Jesus will push us. Oftentimes, Jesus pushes out us out into the storms. Oftentimes, we are pushed beyond our limitations. Oftentimes, we're pushed beyond what we can handle. But consider that a grace. You're like, David, you're like so masochistic. <laughs> right? I'm Korean. It's like, suffering
0: It's not good unless you're suffering. It's
1: the haunt. right? Consider drowning an opportunity to cry out to Jesus. Save me. That was Peter's, that was his defining moment. Lord, rescue me. Because when we do this, this is why, as the disciples did, everyone in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. This is why we worship him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your power, for your invitation to us, uh, for your grace to save us when we're sinking. and, And your love for us to push us beyond our means and our capacities. Because you want to show us something far bigger than ourselves. You want to show us the magnificence of your power and your plan in our lives and your kingdom come on earth and so we want to be courageous and step into the things that are risky um, but not just because we're adrenaline junkies, but because we're looking to you Mm -hmm. and we want to go to you in your name we pray amen